Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Last week, I I ministered uh, knowing that they were going to be out of town. This week, I had no idea I was going to be ministering until late, late, late last night. And... um, uh, but you know, this is something that's still on my heart and we're going to look a little bit more at these things. And, um, I know it's a little bit more of a, it's a little bit of a, can be seemingly a little bit of a serious subject, but having you know, these things are great things. These are great truths. The word is a light unto our feet, unto our path, and it will set you free and it will preserve you, protect you. I mean, it is, it is the word of God is awesome. And so any of these subjects we get into, you know, we want to definitely be open to them and, and really see what the Lord has for us. But do, do I need to tell a joke before we get into this? Doug Brown is saying no. He doesn't. Doug, Doug has no sense of humor. He has no sense of humor. Uh, I like to tell a joke. I'm going to tell one. Now, people didn't remember my uh, parrot joke. Yeah, Doug, plug your ears, please. Uh, my parrot joke that I told last week, I told a, uh, the mouse joke. It was terrible, Doug said. Thank you. I am so glad to have people who just want to support you when you're up here. And I hope the next time Doug does the announcements, I don't look at him and say, that was terrible, Doug. But I might think it. I don't know. But um, so I told you the mouse joke last week, you know, but I kept it churchy. They were instead of a bar. That's how the original joke goes. They were at a church fellowship. I'll make this one churchy. Uh, there was a lady who was the choir director at a church. OK, so of our choir folks. All right, good. So uh, so she's on her way to church one Sunday morning. She has to pass by a pet shop. This is in a big city and there's a parrot out front. You remember this joke, Doug? No, he does. he just blocked it out of his memory. So he's passing by this parrot shop and there's this uh, pet shop and there's a parrot outside. And as she walks by, the parrot goes, of course, the church is right next to the pet shop. She said, Rah! that's my parrot voice. Sorry. Rah! It's getting worse. All right. So he's a smoking parrot. But anyway, he said, Rah! he said, you're the worst singer I've ever heard. And she was just, wow, how rude of this parrot to say something like this to me. And so she just, it hurt her, but she went on about her business. So the next Sunday she's walking by the same, the same pet shop. And of course his parrot's outside. And, and as she walks by, the parrot goes, you're the worst singer I've ever heard. And she was just, now it's starting to really bother her that this parrot actually believes this about her. So she was getting depressed. So the next week comes by and, and the same thing, you're the worst singer I've ever heard. And so she was just livid. I can't believe this parrot would insult me week after week and just destroying my confidence like Doug Brown does. And, and, uh, and so she said, uh, I, I'm going to go in and tell this, give this owner a piece of my mind. So she goes inside and she just chewed the owner out, but teaching this bird to be so disrespectful and all these hateful things it says. And she's a woman of God and that shouldn't happen. And, and, uh, and, and she was, she said she won't pray for his soul now. I mean, it was serious. Right. And so, uh, so the next Sunday she comes along and she rounds the corner where the pet shop is on the way to church. And of course the parrot's out there and she sees the parrot she's staring at the parrot and the parrot sees her and the parrot's staring at her and so their eyes are locked and as they get closer the parrot's just watching her and she's watching the parrot and she gets right underneath the parrot she's staring at it and she said what because the parrot's just staring at it and the parrot goes rock you know <laughs> so anyway that's my parrot joke anyway it didn't say it again but she knew what he was gonna say all right so Okay, some of you like Doug need help there. So, all right, but uh, see, why do you want to do that? I just think it's fun. The Bible says that he who sits in the heavens laugh. It's okay to laugh in church, right? We should not be all uh, pruny pickles, you know, because uh, we're we love Jesus. We ought to have a good sense of humor, right? 
So Mark chapter four, we started talking last week and started talking about the subject of seeds was the title of the message. And, um, and a few things we'll just kind of recap and then a, a few other things we'll get into and, and look at. But in Mark chapter four, the first verse, it says, and again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude gathered to him so that he got into the boat and sat in, sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many, th- many things by parables and said to them in the teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Verse five, some fell on the ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell along the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seeds, uh, other seed fell on the good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30, 60 and some 100. And then he said to them, let him who has or let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so he told this story. And of course, not everybody in the crowd who heard it that day was interested in finding out uh, what the parable means. And that is a, a good reminder to us that there is a lot of truth uh, contained in these in these in these pages that'll change your life. But it doesn't you don't understand them unless you actually have a heart to understand what they mean. Unless you're willing to, to go the extra mile and to dig into them, uh, it's not just necessarily going to make a lot of sense to you. But if you'll have a heart and ask simple questions, God will answer you. You know, this is not difficult. Anybody who presents that living for God or being a believer or, or growing in your faith or growing in your knowledge of God as being difficult or mysterious, it's not at all. It's actually very easy. And it's not just for a, a special class of people or special individuals or, or for certain ones. It's for anybody who is open. I mean, if you look in the life of Jesus, his disciples were not necessarily the best of the best folks. I mean, one of them was a tax collector, one of the most hated people during his day. And yet he still had an ear to hear. And because of that God was able to move in his life. He received the truths that Jesus was speaking and was forever changed as a result of that. And so, you know, these things that we hear, uh, they won't just, just, uh, fall on us or, or change your life. So without some, uh, effort on our part, part of that is being a, an active listener and an open listener. When you hear the word, I know there's a lot of things that uh, in our lives where we have heard a lot of other areas and have a lot other opinions on things, but, but first and foremost, our heart, our heart ought to be open to God, amen, and open up what he would have to say. So he went on to explain this parable, and he said to them in the 13th verse, he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones uh, by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and yet they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. How many of you know that persecution will arise for the word's sake in our life? Persecution will come. So well, that's not good news. It's the truth. And we need to be aware of that. So when persecution comes that we know what it is and don't think it's something that it's not. It's just a reaction of the enemy. Anytime you're moving forward, we've had instances of this. Anytime you're moving forward, the enemy is going to oppose you. Why? He doesn't want you moving forward. He doesn't want you gaining ground. He doesn't want you maturing. He doesn't want a group of believers growing. He doesn't want that. He's going to oppose us. So when you see it, see it for what it is. Yeah, it's an opportunity to believe God. You can get bummed by it, bummed out by it, but really it's an opportunity to believe God. And it's also just evidence you're heading in the right direction. 
Right? The enemy's not going to oppose somebody in these areas and persecute them for the word's sake if the word's not working in them. So when this opposition or persecution comes, it's actually a good thing. We're going the right direction. He goes on to say in verse 18, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. Uh, the, they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground who when they hear the word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30, some 60 and some a hundredfold. And so we were talking last week uh, a little bit about, of course, we said the ground is, is in reference uh, to your heart. And protecting our heart, we said this last week, is of the utmost importance, what you're allowing to be sown into your life. There are many, 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 many voices all around us that are trying to deposit things in your life. And we have to be careful who we open our ears to. Now, that doesn't just mean, just like when you hear God's word, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change you unless you open your heart to it and receive it. You know, you can't always control what garbage you hear, right? You can't always control what garbage you hear. Now, there are some things on television you hear, you can control it by turning it off. But, you know, in the workplace or different places where you are, sometimes you can't control all the things that you hear. You can't control the stuff, people's opinions. You may not be able to control it, but you can control whether you are really hearing it. You can let the saying, let it go in one ear and out the other. When you know that it doesn't line up with God's word, you have to do just that. Go in one ear and right out the other. In fact, but you have to make sure that it goes in one ear and out the other. And don't just say, well, let's see what happens. No, be forceful about things, these things. So protecting our heart uh, is of the utmost importance in our life. We read the scripture that uh, let me find it here to, in, in Proverbs chapter four. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You know, this one area about being careful uh, what we hear and what we're allowing to get rooted in our life. It says here that if you'll keep your heart with all diligence, we're supposed to do that because out of the out of the out of your heart, out of the produce of your heart flows the issues of life. That really pertains to every, really every detail of our life that we come across, whether it be uh, health in our bodies or, or uh, finances or peace of mind or, or stability in our homes. If we'll guard our hearts, then the issues of life, the things that are important to us, will, we, will reflect what God's word says. It will reflect God's best. And so uh, if we'll be careful to do this, we'll have God's best and, and he'll be able to do uh, what he wants to do. And so guarding our heart is everything. Go to 2 Chronicles, the uh, 16th chapter. 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 16. And um, this principle of guarding your heart is, like I said, it is a very vital thing. And it's something that God is interested in. It's something that uh, God is paying attention to uh, how, we're, uh, how we are uh, tending to the, the soil of our lives, the soil of our heart. And this is a scripture that many of us know, but in Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles 16, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, when I read stuff like this, you think, well, this is maybe just some sort of a metaphor. This is just some sort of statement. This is not just some random statement. God is very active in his approach, in his care, in his uh, attentiveness to us. Uh, now, some people would say, well, you know, they look around and, and look at the condition of things and what's going on in people's lives, and they try to uh, put a... Uh, 
put a, uh, a weight on God or to, a, to assign a value to him as far as how he looks at these things and his attention towards us based upon experience. How many know experience in what we see does not change who God is? Experience and even what we see around us or experience in our life doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change who he is. And so it says here that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth. He is looking. And the fact is today, this morning, if you're here and your heart is open to him, he sees you. He, he sees you. And it's one thing when you come in, you know, as a minister, you know, I, I, uh, as, as we speak, as we get up and, 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 and bring the word, you know, you can look out. Pastor Angela knows what I'm talking about. You can look out and, and I'll just, let me just clarify this. You, doesn't, you can't always go by this, but oftentimes you can tell whether a person is really um, attentive, if their heart is really open by how they, how they conduct themselves. Any parents know what I'm talking about? You tell your kid to do something and they've got this. Didn't that just warm your heart when you get this? Didn't that just make you just feel so good? Aren't you just so confident, you know, that they hear you and they, they understand? No, because you can tell the lights are on, but nobody's home, right? And so a lot of times, you know, we, we, can, we can see this. But more important than this, God knows. I'll say this. Sometimes people put on a good front. Sometimes, so that got a few amens. It's true. And, and, and I'm one of those guys, I try to be as, as, as transparent as possible. I've been there. You put on a good front, you look like you're doing that, you're really there, but your mind is somewhere else. Well, you know, the, whether or not I see it, whoever, Steve sees it or Pastor Angela sees it or my wife sees it, whatever, really makes no difference. Uh, the fact is God knows the condition of our heart and he knows if we're open to him, he knows that. And it says here that his eyes run throughout the entire earth, meaning if, if we open our hearts to him at all, he's aware and then he responds. That ought to encourage us, and it's okay to be encouraged by the fact that if my heart is open, even today, God is going to respond to me. Why? Because if I am, he sees me, he knows it, and it goes on to say that his eyes are open, right? They run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose what? heart is loyal to them. He's not just looking to check it off to like Santa to make his list and check it twice. He's looking because he wants to be strong on your behalf. So that tells me whether or not God is able to be strong. You say, so are you saying that God is limited by our actions? Absolutely. He is God, but in his, in his uh, plan, he has decided to give us authority over our own lives and to allow what we want to allow in our life. He's given us that responsibility. He allows us to be thoroughly in love with him or he allows us to not love him at all. Now, he has a preference. Obviously, he has a desire and something that, would, that he would want. And he has made the deal as sweet as possible and as good as possible that if we will pick the one, it'll be wonderful. And he's been very clear in his word. If we pick the other, it might not be quite as wonderful, right? And he's just told us the truth, given us the facts. And yet we can still make that decision. But he is looking for an opportunity to be strong on your behalf. Wherever you are, wherever is, whatever is going on, God is looking to be strong and stronger and do more than he's done before. You say, well, my life is perfect. I don't buy that. But even if it is, he wants to be even stronger in your life. He wants to do more for you. God has not run out of good things to shower on his kids. He's looking for those who, that he can be strong on their behalf. But notice it says those whose heart is loyal to him. 
In the New Living Bible, I personally love the New Living. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those. Anybody need strengthening from time to time? If you're going to live for God, you're going to need some strength. If you're going to live for the devil, you're going to need strength and not find it. You're going to need strength regardless either way. The good news is we have a strengthener, right? He says that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed to him. And so we had talked about, uh, uh, about these things and, and really watching and, and being attentive to our lives and, and what's being placed in our lives is so important. And in a minute, we'll get into a little bit more detail about that. But, but um, uh, watching over our lives is, a, I can't say it enough, it's so important. It's so, as a believer, as someone who's in union with Christ, do you realize the enemy doesn't have any right to do anything in your life if you don't, that you don't allow? You do realize that, right? And, and we do also know this, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of, from, from, from the Father of lights, right? And whereas there is no variation or shadow of turning. So God's got only good things for you. But there is an enemy out there. He's the thief, the Bible calls him in John 10, 10. He's come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have what? Life. He said, I might, I've come that you might have life. And so he is interested in doing these things. And yet there is someone who is equally as interested at stopping those. And which side you are allowing, that's the importance of guarding your heart, which side you're allowing to, to influence you and to deposit things into your life will be the reflection or will be the exact produce of your life. It'll be what grows in your life. And so in the scripture in Mark, it talks about these, seed, these thorns that are there. And we said last week that thorns come from what? They come from, where do thorns come from? Okay, where do, where do thorns, thorns come from weeds? Yes, I get it. So where do weeds come from? What? They come from seeds. You know, doesn't a weed, a weed doesn't, people are like, am I weed here today? Or do, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't understand how weeds grow. I don't know. Maybe they just magically appear. They're like, they're like, they're magically delicious. They just appear in our life. I don't know. No, they, they, they are seeds, right? A weed seed will produce a weed, right? And so it says here that when the word is deposited, that the thorns choke it out. What are those things? They're seeds that have been deposited. They're in opposition to the word that was planted. They're in opposition to that. Weeds' job are to choke things out. Really, weeds are a result of the curse in the first place. In the beginning, it wasn't God's plan for, there, for weeds to be there. And the truth is, in, in, in just look around, we don't have to do much of anything for weeds to grow. Weeds will grow because the seed is there. And it's a result of the earth. It's a result of what's happened but it's also our job to make sure we're getting those things out and not letting more weed seed be thrown into our lives. And so as we are doing this and, and, and watching over these things, the word of God won't be choked out of your life. Obviously, the seed he was referring to being sown by the sower is the word of God. And so if we'll make sure that these seeds in our life that are negative seeds, that we deal with them, that the seed of God's word, which is powerful and living, that it will produce what it's supposed to produce in our lives. And so uh, uh, being cognizant of that and being very aware of that is, is very, 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 very important. Let me just look here and, um, and uh, see where we are. Um, 
Like I said, there are many seeds competing for the, for the soil of your life, but the seed that we want to be deposited is the seed of God's word. Now, I know we talked about this last week. To be honest with you, I was a little surprised by the reaction about the power of God's word. I talked about the, 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 the odds of probability that Jesus would be who he said he, that he would actually do and be the scriptures were right about him. They had a one in 10 to the 17th power that one man could fulfill those eight prophecies. Do you realize that that is a crazy stat? That is a crazy number. That is a crazy, uh, still people are like, okay. It's one in 10 to the 17th power. I said that if you take a silver dollar and fill up the entire state of Texas two feet tall, that is the possibility of one person randomly grabbing one specific predetermined uh, silver dollar out of that entire thing. That is the odds that Jesus would fulfill those eight prophecies. That is crazy. You do realize that's crazy, right? When I hear stuff like that, it, it encourages me and really is, it inspires me. Why? Because this thing that we have is amazing. It is something that is not humanly or just opinion. A lot of times we approach God's word and we don't allow it to be deposited in our life because we see it as something mere normal or common or human or average. One in 10 to the 17th power is not normal or average. That is extraordinary. That is, in fact, almost unbelievable. I thought about this this week just as a comparison. If I were to take this one section right here and I were to say, listen, I want you all to to write a story about someone. We'll just say Mark. Mark Bauer, we'll write a story about Mark Bauer, not about this Mark, but a future Mark, 400 years, 500 years into the future. And that's the only thing I'm going to tell you, that's his name. And I want you to write a story about this guy, Mark, 400 years in the future. But I don't want you to talk to one another. I don't want you to compare notes. I want you to write details about this person's life. Do you think when we collected all of these details of this one section that the story of Mark Bauer 400 years from now would make any sense at all? It'd be the craziest, it'd almost be like the real Mark Bauer. It'd be the craziest thing we had ever seen, right? It would make, have you did the game when you were a kid? We have a group of people and you tell one person a story, whisper it into an ear, and then they tell that same, same exact story to the next person, whisper it in their ear, and it goes around a group of people, and, when it, and then when it comes back to the person who originates it, you find out the story is nothing like the original. Who's ever done that before? I mean, you're say, and you say, listen, just repeat the exact same story, but you got to give it some detail to make it a challenge. You can't just say, the dog barked. Well, that's pretty easy to keep, right? But give some details. By the time it makes it around, it's going to be a completely different story and not even reflect the original story. That's not even what happened. This was a complete unknown to these people, people who did not, we, at least here, you have common ground. We have a common culture. We have common ideas. We're coming from the same time frame, time period. We speak the same language. There are factors there that would make that story more likely to match. They didn't even have that. They didn't know each other. They spoke different languages. They lived, some of them, hundreds, if not a thousand years apart from it. They had no clue who the other people even were, many of them. And yet they talked about the coming Messiah. They talked about the things that would happen. They gave specific details about what would happen and what would happen in this person's life. Jesus, there was over 300 of them. The odds of, of eight of them matching one single person was one in 10 to the seventh. That's a hundred quadrillion. That, we ought to be impressed by that. 
one and add another eight. It was one and 10 to the 45th power. I don't know what number that is, but it's crazy big. That was eight, that was, that is 16 total. He did it. He was, he fit these things exactly to one. There was 300 prophecies. What kind of number would that be? I have no clue. I don't even, maybe there is, maybe some nerd somewhere has come up with a number that big. I don't know, but, but I guarantee you couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> it would be huge, right? And so we can't even fathom how big that is. Now you say, well, okay, that ought to, we ought to be impressed by how cool God is. And it's okay to be impressed with how, when I, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, my God is super cool. My God is amazing. He is amazing. So, well, okay, so, okay, get it about Jesus. Well, Jesus is the word made flesh. And so if the probability, he is the word made flesh, so the words he says must carry a tremendous amount of weight, more weight than even the odds of probability that he fulfilled these things. If he is who he said he was, there is no other higher, greater, more valuable, more trustworthy source of information than what he would say and what's written in the word of God. And yet what we do a lot of times is we approach this as though it's just another mere book. This is not the reader's digest. This is not the latest novel by whoever. This is the very inspired word of God. When the, the fact is, it is the only thing that will stand, has stood, and will stand the test of time. It is the only thing that will stand the test of time. How do you know that? Because his word tells us this. And I know that the fact that his word says it, it has to be true because there's no possible way that God didn't inspire this. So how come it is in our lives when we hear other things, we were so ready to jump on those other things and accept them as truth when they come in direct opposition of this? It's because we want them to be true. Because why? A lot of times it makes it easier on us to accept something than it does to discipline ourselves and to submit ourselves. We'll talk about it. It's easier to do that than it is to say, you know what? It's got to be right. And even though I don't see how this all works out, this must be true. You know, wanting something to be true doesn't make it true. Wanting something to be true does not make it true. I'm thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I'm sure my mother remembers this. It's probably one of the things that made her so proud of me when I was a, a young boy. I was in the uh, sixth grade. And um, do you, okay, which story? All right, great. I was a lovely child. But anyway, um, you know, we have these ideas. Now, obviously, I was a kid, and, and, but I had thought out a whole plan about how to fix a situation. And I was convinced this is the best way to do it. You know, a lot of times we do stupid things because we're convinced or we're trying to convince ourselves that this is right. And yet, yet the truth is right in front of us. And because I don't like what that says, I've, I'm certain this is going to work. Well, maybe you don't know this about me, but I'm a bit of a social person and I do like to talk. Uh, that's a shock, right? <laughs> uh, and in school, I, I was constantly getting the comments on my report card or teacher assessments that talks too much in class. Anybody get that on there? Uh, anybody, some honest people, Tara Gabriel, teacher of the year. There's hope for us. All right. So I had this comment constantly, talks too much in class. Well, this one particular year, I took talks too much in class. I made it into an Olympic sport, I guess. And so 
when my report card came out, I didn't get an A. I didn't get a B. I didn't get a C. I didn't get a D. I didn't even get an F. I got an I. My participation was so bad, they couldn't even fail me. Why? Because Greg Anderson talks too much in class. And so I got this on my report card. And do you remember this now? You know, really, thank God for the grace of God. All right, so this is how I survived my childhood. So, by the way, I just saw this totally unrelated. It's reminding me where I was. Totally unrelated. I saw a study this week that says firstborn children are truly the smartest of the siblings. That really angered me. I don't know. Did you say that? That's true? <laughs> <laughs> Any of our firstborn are like, yeah, that's right. There's a smart guy back there. But anyway, I read that. It just kind of hurt my heart a little bit. But um, anyway, because I am the second born. But I always knew Steve was adopted. So anyway, um, so going back to our story, right? Uh, that's why he's not here anymore. He left us. He doesn't really care about this family in case you're listening. But anyway, so this, this going, <laughs> forgive me. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Okay, y'all stop laughing. There's a church it's supposed to be serious, right? He was sitting in the heavens, pouts. All right, but uh, so I got this report card. It was an I. Man, my little mind was racing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I knew that if I take this home with an I on it, that I will be in a lot of trouble and I may not live to see another day. I knew that this was just not good. And so it's coming back now. Thank you, Jesus. So. Still, the statute of limitations has passed. You can't do anything about it now. But so I had a plan. I had some thoughts about how to deal with this because on this in report card where it had an I, it also had a note said requesting teacher parent conference. Oh, if an I wasn't bad enough. Now my teacher wants to talk to my parents about it. That's it. This is getting serious. And so I saw this on the report card and, and I'm, I'm processing information. How do I, how do I do this? How does, and so I knew that if I take this home and they see this, things are not going to be good. So I thought maybe there's another way I can handle this. And in my mind, I came up with another plan that was perfect. It was the answer to all my problems. I just wouldn't give my report card to my parents. And when they asked about it, I would say, well, there was a mistake at the school and, I, and, and my report card didn't get printed. <laughs> Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. You know, those mistakes happen all the time, right? It's just in my sixth grade mind, that makes total sense, you know, because the school system is so messed up and not, not terrorist class. But anyway, this thing gets so messed up. So I went home and, and they knew, hey, didn't report cards come out today? Well, I think first I told them, I think my first lie, was, uh, was I said, well, no, but they didn't give report cards today. So, okay. The next day comes around and say, did you get a report card today? Uh, no, they didn't send them out today. Okay. They were very patient. They wanted to believe the best in their son. Now, they probably knew something was up from, from, the, from the get-go. Okay. All right. We don't know. So this goes on for a period of like two or three weeks. Man, I am persistent, y'all. I mean, I, I, I got a good idea, and I'm going to milk this puppy. I'm going to make sure this works. And so the problem was I wasn't smart enough to take the report card out of my backpack because if I did, they might find it in my room because they scoured my stuff, right? And so I thought the only safe place to keep it on me, but not thinking if it's in my backpack, it's not going to look the way it did when I first got it. In fact, when I pulled it out, when I'm finally realizing, because the teacher is also after me every day, when are your parents going to call me? 
my lie to them, let's just call it what it was. I'm telling my parents I haven't gotten it, and I'm telling them that my parents are out of the country. So they're out of the country for one day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks, three weeks. These are the greatest parents in the world, right? My parents don't care at all. So my teacher obviously went from okay to I don't believe you two. I am super concerned, right? So eventually I got pressure from both sides happening. And I hope none of the teenagers here today are doing this. If you are, this is a, this is a safe zone, isn't it? A safe zone. Confess now and you'll be good. They won't even look at me. All right, so... So finally, I pulled it out of the bag, and I, and, I, and I brought it to mom and dad, and I pulled it out and with quivering hand, because I realized suddenly, oh, plan not so good. I gave it to them. I'll just say they were very gracious about it. I got in a lot of trouble, but they were very gracious about it. I think I was grounded for a while. Yeah, other things might have happened. I mean, it was just not good, right? But, you know, in my mind, it seemed like the perfect plan. In my, my mind, it seemed, now we th- look at that and we think, that is so ridiculous. How many, thinks that, how many actually think that was a smart plan? You can hear from the very beginning, that's the worst plan in the world, right? But from my perspective, it was a great plan. From where I was, it was a great plan. Steve Morgan had a habit of forging his parents' signature on things to get out of stuff, right? <laughs> he won't admit it, Right? He got kicked out of the gifted program because he had his mom's signature down to a science. Did you know about that? Oh, that was a second grade. (laughs) My lovely wife thought smoking in the bathroom as a third grader was a good idea. I mean, she's hiding back there, right? (laughs) From our perspective, it seemed really good. But from a perspective of maturity, we think, oh, that was really dumb. Is it possible from our perspective on many things that our perspective things seem really good and seem really smart? From the perspective of people who've only been here for a certain number of years. Now at that time, sixth sixth, sixth grade, how old are you? You're 11, 11. I'd been here a whole whopping 11, 12 years. Or what if you've been here for 40 years? Like I'm 40, I'm almost 43. Been here almost 43 years. Because I've had a few more years now, suddenly I'm that much, there's some things I'm a lot smarter and wiser in, but in the perspective of time and, and things that are proven out and beyond a shadow of a doubt, my 43 years is nothing. How about my perspective on what God's word is saying or what it means or, or uh, my opinion on what God thinks about certain things? You know, sometimes we take what the scriptures say and we put our own interpretation that fits our situation instead of actually just taking what he said for his word. And that's because this is what he said. He must have meant it. But from our perspective, a lot of time we think, oh, we've got this. But if we look at it from the perspective of eternity, our how many ever years that we've been alive or known God is nothing in comparison from his perspective of all time. The one who always has been and always ha- will be. In fact, he's not only is he that individual, he is in the past, he is in our present, and he is in our future. How does that work? I don't know. But it further goes on to prove how amazing he is and how right he is about Everything he says. 
See, when we look at, when we take a step back and with a mature mind and a mature perspective, take a step back beyond our own opinion and look at this, it makes no sense for us to allow weeds coming from seeds of opinion or other people's ideas to affect our lives because they don't mean anything and there's no truth in them. Weeds don't produce anything other than death, right? Nobody goes out and and plants a weed garden. Well, these days, you never know, right? That's a different kind of weed. You got to say it. Some people are like, well, absolutely, Pastor Greg. (laughs) Makes me happy. No, it doesn't. So (laughs) So let's just take that kind of the funny smelling weed. Let's take that out of here, okay? But nobody goes out and just plants a weed garden. Man, I mean, when we lived in Jacksonville, you know, we had a a particular, it was actually our next door neighbor, that his yard was a living weed garden. I hated that yard. And he would get notices all the time to cut your yard. And I would, I would, I started cutting his yard. I think that's why he did it, because he just didn't want to mow his yard. He knew the guy next to me just hates enough. He'll mow my yard for me. Because his yard was just full of weeds. Nobody wants that. He, he had a weed yard because he was too lazy to do something about the weeds and didn't care enough about what his yard looked like. Ouch. Do we care what our lives look like? Do we care what we produce in our lives? Do we honestly care that these weed seeds and these thoughts, opinions, ideas are there and they are? are, not possibly, but they are choking out the very word of God. See, sometimes we think, well, I'm an exception in this area. Well, this this doesn't happen to me. No, I've got this. No. It says Jesus said, the one that was prophesied about by 300 different individuals with such accuracy he said that this, this weed, this seed, and he described it, the, the cares of this world. What is that? That's the value we place upon. That's the value we let other people put in our lives and, and buying into the importance of things that aren't important. Status. Opinion. Right? Fame. I mean, the list goes on and on, Right? The deceitfulness of riches. Is that something that causes people to stumble? You betcha it is. People who are willing to set aside, oh Lord, we start getting into specifics, people get, oh, let's not go there. What we, people will put aside their relationship with God. Not spend time in the word, not spend time in prayer. We've all been there, so I'm not being con- con- condemning anybody. But when you begin to see these things, we've got to do something with it. They will put aside their time for him. That includes being in church. That includes being involved in the body, which the same one that was prophesied about also placed us in this body and said we are members of one another. And we're there to help one another and support one another and, and encourage one another and grow with each other. Do you think that our relationship with each other is kind of a big deal? Jesus said it was a very big deal, right? But we let the desire for, for this, for that, desire for riches. Well, I'm going I'm to put in another shift at work. If that extra shift at work causes you to violate God's word, 
That's like stuffing that report card in your backpack, thinking that the end result will be better than just doing what you're supposed to do. Right? Isn't that foolish? But haven't we all done these things? Goes on to say, you know, the, the desire for other things. I mean, what other things? Let, let's analyze these things. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, right? Everything that's good. Remember, this is the one who's come to give us life. One translation says, it says the life that God, and that's our, it's not just have a Christian life. He's come that we can have and enjoy the very life that God enjoys. doesn't make us God, but we get in on his life. That's crazy. Well, I, okay, okay, Pastor Greg. I mean, I, I get it, but let's not get too excited because I've never seen that. Just because you've never seen it doesn't mean it's not real, nor does it mean it's not possible. When we get to heaven, do you think we're going to enjoy the kind of life God enjoys? Yeah, we are. Do you think that, that kind of life belongs to us while we're here? Absolutely. But are we satisfied with something else? If you're willing to accept something else, you're willing to let the weed of, well, I've never seen that get in there and take root. It can choke out the word, the, the promise that these things belong to you, that you may become a partaker of God's divine nature. Think about that. The decision we make on these things and the value we place on other opinions and other seeds can make the word of God completely powerless in our life. For a time period, God has set this thing up to where the most powerful thing in the universe, whether it works for us, is within our control. But that's just for this time right now. You do realize this is a day that we've been given this opportunity. This will come to an end. And the worlds will pass away. Everything will pass away, but his word will not pass away. All of this that we see, all of this that we value, all of this that we put so much importance on, when it's all said and done, none of it is going to be here. Think about that. Not a drop of it is going to be here. And yet we're so distracted by these things. We must put value on God's word. We must put a value on his opinion. Amen. You know, when... This, this, it's, it's, I hate, I hate to even say we must because it sounds like it's, oh, it's such a chore. It's not a, it, it, it requires sacrifice. Did we read the scripture last week that Jesus said to pick up your cross and follow me? Did we read that? I don't know if we did or not. I printed out the scriptures I read. But we, we are to, to pick up our cross and follow him. What is that? We're to deny ourselves. Oh, I wish I had denied myself when I had the plan. Would it have been bad to come home and tell my parents I got an eye? Oh, yeah. How about heaping on two and three weeks of lying and challenging them as, as good parents in the eyes of the school system, which everybody knew they were the pastors of that church down there. That's a great, you know, further endorsement. I did that. That was my choice. I didn't see all those details when I made that decision. I didn't see the ramifications of that. 
I didn't know what this thing would produce when this seed grew up and what, how nasty of a thorn it would actually be and actually get used on my butt when it was over. I mean, you know, I didn't see all that. See, picking up our cross and denying ourselves and following him, it, anybody, there, there is a gospel that's being preached and has been preached, and it is a convenient gospel. It is a, a no, uh, what's the best way to say it? It's a, it's a no sacrifice. It's a, it's a no skin off my back gospel. It's, a, it's one that is just, I accept Jesus. I pray a prayer, I accept Jesus, and, and, and then I can do whatever I want, and then I've got the assurance of heaven, and everything's great, and, and just life is just, I can just do whatever. That's not true. You do realize that's not true. And what does that produce? I don't even know that it produces actual believers in Jesus. We read the scripture last week, you know, about people in that day will say, Lord, Lord, and say, department, I didn't even know you. And some will even say, but I did all this stuff for you. So now you're just trying to freak us out. No, I'm being honest with you. I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. When I read that, it kind of freaks me out. But you know what it makes me do? It makes me take an evaluation. Okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what he's called me to do. But I want to make sure that I know him first and foremost. And that's a daily thing that I do to make sure that the communication lines are open. And if something has cut the main line, I'm going to get Jesus back on the line or I'm going to fix that problem. Now, it's not about works because you're not saved by works. Ephesians says we're saved by grace, not by works. But there are works that accompany our salvation. Paul said, you say you have faith. I said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Ephesians, the scripture back in Ephesians says that we're, we're saved by faith, by grace, not by, not by works. He goes on to say that we've been prepared or created in Christ Jesus for good works. There are works that God has designed and actions that he has set in place. Things to, to uh, guide our lives by, Right? That No, that's not what gets us saved, but it should be a fruit or a response to what he's done. Therefore, going back to what Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't this amazing how all this stuff works together? Pretty, pretty awesome, right? This group of people could not have done that. God wrote that. He, he put those things out there. He, he established these laws. I tell you what. We had that fundamental difference slide. I put it up last week. Real quick, I'll just put it up. Fundamental difference. The world, I choose what is good, right, or best for me. The believer, I choose what God says is good, right, or best for me. That really is the heart of the two groups. That really is the heart of the two groups. As far as the decisions we make with our lives, that really is the heart of both groups. One, I choose what's good and best, right for me. The other, I choose what God says is good, right, best for me. There's so many things, and we got to stop. It's, it's time, but you got to be strong on this. You got to be strong on this. One thing I do know is, one, one, one of the things I do know, because I know this to be true in the Word, that we will each give an account of our lives, right? 
Oh, you're so serious. No, we will give an account of our lives. <laughs> and, and he's not going to ask us. He's going to ask you. He's going to ask us, what do we do with what he told us to do? He, I mean, yeah, if we make it, great. But he's still going to say, what did you do? Where the, what is the fruit of your life? What's the produce? What did you produce? Or what got, or what got choked out of your life? None of, us will, none of us will have an excuse in that day. We have this. We have this. I'm so thankful we have this. <laughs> when that day comes, I'm not going to be caught unaware. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Right? Thank God for the grace of God. When I'm, when I'm, doing, I'm doing my part, man, God's grace is right. He helps me. He guides me. He leads me. I've got the Holy Spirit, one, the, the teacher, the revealer of truth. Think about that. God is so cool. He gave us everything, even somebody to come alongside and live with us, who is the teacher and he'll guide us into all truth. That is amazing. I won't leave you orphans. I'll come to you. I'll send a helper. He's sent us help. Are we using that help? Let's make sure our lives reflect what his word says. If we really want God's best, even though it may be difficult to make that choice, it would have been difficult for me to make the choice to bring that report card home right away. It was, it was so difficult, I didn't do it. It would have been the smart thing to do. Right? would have been way better had I done it. I'll say this, you know, each of us, last week I talked about relationships. I won't go there again. We just briefly talked about it. We talked about how we, how we handle our business, our finances, our, our, our free time, our, uh, you know, all of these things. When it's all said and done, the key is to making a decision, I'm going to put God's word first, even though I don't see how this works. The Bible says what? The steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. I mean, he, does, he doesn't just lay out every detail in front of you, but he will lay out the next step. If you'll take the one you already know, he'll give you the next. There's no reason for him to tell you 20 steps down the line when you refuse to take the one right in front of you. Right? I want to hear from God. Well, you have heard from God. Do what he's already told you to do. And until you do that, you're not going to hear anything else in this area. And the fact is, if we keep, we keep pushing that thing away, it's possible to not hear the next step in any area. We can harden our hearts, the thing we're supposed to, to guard above everything else. We can harden it so that the parable there that it talks about, we, it's possible to turn our own soil into one that is so hard that seed can't even get root in anymore. That's messed up. That's not good. The good news is, if we love him, if we trust him, if we'll simply obey, he'll make us rich. He'll make our, he'll, he'll, the dreams of your heart, he'll bring those things to pass. You may not see how it's going to work out, but God is faithful. When you respond to him, he is faithful to always meet you. It's one step his way. Drawing close to him, he will draw close to you. He'll answer whatever questions you have. He'll supply whatever you need. Maybe there's things in your heart. You say, Pastor, I got this in my heart. I've seen this at a time in the past, but how is that even possible? Take the one step God has told you to take that direction. And then when he do that, take that next. If you'll do that, God will take you where you are and give you what you ultimately want. He'll satisfy the desires of your heart. He is faithful to do it. 
I love that scripture in Jeremiah. We talk about it all the time in the youth. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not of evil. Aren't you glad? They're good and they're God's version of good. That's, they're not my version of good. They're not hide stuff in a backpack version of good. They're God's version of good. One translation says, they give you the future that you hope for. That is awesome. I said, that is awesome. How many know God is awesome? He is incredible. He is, I mean, he is beyond description how cool he is. But it's also beyond description how much he cares for you, how much he loves you, and how much he desperately wants to move in your life. All you got to do is take that one step. I challenge you, whatever the area is, and I know, by, by, I know because God's faith, he loves you enough. If you'll check your heart, there's something right now that's coming to your attention. What about this? What about this? What about this? Hey, look at this. Remember this thing you crumpled up? Stuck in your backpack? What about this? You might say, well, that's the one thing I don't want him to talk. That's likely the one thing he's going to talk to you about. Because, the, well, I got to stop. Those things, a lot of times we elevate to a position of God that only he deserves. Whatever that thing is, do it. Whatever that thing is, respond to that. Whatever thing that thing, that thing is, why? Because it's for your betterment. It might be tough today, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs> yeah, joy comes in the morning. Praise God. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity today to be here. What a blessing. What an opportunity. What a privilege. Hallelujah. To be your sons and daughters. What a privilege to know you, to be in union with you, to have you as our father, our God, but also one who loves us and cares about us so much. Father, I thank you that you, even today your eyes are on this place and on us as individuals. You see us, you, you're aware of us, and you're looking for an opportunity to do big things in our life. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful. We are so grateful for your kindness. Father, I'm grateful for seeing these things. You're helping me. to Not that I've seen it all, but I'm thankful that you're helping me see things that maybe I was missing before. It's your love and action. You're helping me to look more like you and to walk more pleasing to you. When it's all said and done, that, that's the only thing that matters. To walk pleasing of you, but then also walk worthy of you. Father, thank you for every person here today. We ask that your spirit would take these things said, not my words, but Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this? That you would quicken things to them. Even talk to them about other areas, other things, bring other things that, to their attention. There's so much there. I ask you to move on their life. I ask you to impart grace as they make a decision to take a step that way. Your word promises it, but I, I thank you for it. I know it's so true you do it. As they take a step your direction, even though it may be difficult and tough, grace begins to flow in their life. Yeah. Help each of us to have a better picture, a better understanding of what's possible with you. What this call of God, this upward call in Christ Jesus, what this looks like and what's available. Nothing is worth missing out on that. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. You are so faithful, so kind. 
We love you. We love you. We honor you today. We honor you today. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.